0: Our reading this morning comes from Isaiah 9, 2-7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden... And the staff for his a shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders." Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we're in Advent and, and celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just long, uh, long for the return, long for his coming. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to just see what it means to hope, what it means, Lord, to our hope in your son Jesus. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. And I pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Every year in Vancouver, usually kind of around Christmas time, there's an annual event called Lumiere. And in this event, you know, light displays are set up all around the city for people to kind of go and take selfies at and enjoy and that sort of thing. Now, one of these displays is set up right near my house in the West End, and and tons of people come to get their pictures taken and get their Instagram pics and all that stuff, just kind of taking up all the parking in the neighborhood. Well, last weekend, Jody and I, we were at a COVID-friendly wedding, and we get home, and Hudson, our four-month-old son, he's being a little bit difficult and a little bit fussy that night, so we we made the tough decision to, to get takeout. So I'm walking, you know, to pick up the, the food, heading down the street uh, from our house towards Davy, and I come across this light display in the West End. And as I'm walking by it, you know, looking at all the lights and all that stuff, I, I noticed something which I thought was really, really interesting. You know, right there in the midst of the light display is this big metal light-up sign, probably like six feet tall by like ten feet long, just spelling out the word hope. Now, obviously, it's there to kind of uh, inspire people, and I'm sure that the, the creators, you know, they were thinking that this would bring some, some joy into people's lives or something like that, but it got me thinking. Hope In what? You know, in our culture, we absolutely love to talk about hope. We hear about hope literally all the time. You know, people talk about hope on social media, and on our TV shows, and in the movies, and it's even in light displays on the streets of Vancouver. You know, for some reason, hope is is powerful. It evokes a a response in us, and it stirs us up to kind of like keep going, you know, to keep calm and carry on, that sort of thing, you know? Just listen to any Dr. Bonnie Henry announcement these days, and she's always appealing to this fundamental human capacity to hope for the future, and it works. Look at this uh, news headline, coronavirus, be kind, be calm, be safe. Dr. Bonnie Henry, a beacon of hope during the pandemic. We love, love to talk about hope. So that's what we're going to do today. Now, you may not have realized this, just because, you know, life is crazy right now and things are all busy, but today is actually the first Sunday in Advent. And the topic that we're looking at today is titled, Hope in Darkness. So what I want to do this morning is look at three things to unpack this topic a little bit. And we're going to look at our misplaced hopes, our spiritual darkness, and our true light. So misplaced hopes, spiritual darkness, true light. And by looking at these three things, I want us to see that our hope is found in the true light, Jesus Christ. So let's look at our point first point together, our misplaced hopes. Mary C. Lamia, who's a clinical psychologist and a writer for the magazine Psychology Today, says this about hope Hope structures your life in anticipation of the future and influences how you feel in the present. Similar to optimism, hope creates a positive mood about an expectation, a goal, or a future situation. Now what she's saying is that hope is a a forward-looking thing where we make judgments about the future and these expectations about what the future will look like actually shape our present mood. So by way of an example, let's look at an illustration together. Imagine with me you wanted to start a, a business. You've got this great idea. You know, you've thought it all out. You have gone through all the financials, everything like that. You go to the bank, they hear your proposal for this business and they give you a loan to start it. So you lease some space downtown. You know, you fill it up with your product, hire a few employees, and then you open the doors. And after all this stuff, you are just on top of the world. You know, you're on cloud nine with excitement. You're so happy about this new business. Why? I mean, if you're thinking just logically about this, you really shouldn't be happy at all. You're in debt. You know, you haven't made a single sale yet. You have people relying on you now for paychecks and and all the stuff and the responsibilities that go with a business. So if anything, you should be scared out of your mind. But you aren't. Why? Because you are allowing your present mood to be shaped by the future reality you envision for this business. You're excited about it, you know, because you think it's going to be just kind of overflowing with customers and you're going to be ab- like running out of stock, and this business is going to be a huge, huge success. And that's what hope is it's the mood associated with a future reality that is yet to happen. Now, we human beings, we have an enormous capacity to create this kind of thinking in our lives. You know, these days, everyone is really hopeful about a vaccine. We're all watching the news, you know, hearing these wonderful claims from Pfizer and Moderna that their they're vaccines that are 95% effective. And hearing this, it gives us just a little bit of comfort because we're allowing our present situation to be shaped by our future expectation that coronavirus will end. So we have hope. And we put our hope in all sorts of things. You know, we look ahead at, at future job prospects just filled with hope because we have our eyes set, you know, on that promotion or that future career. We look forward w- with hope about having a family one day, having kids and grandkids and all that good and wonderful stuff that comes with, with family. Or maybe we're single, right? So we're looking forward I- in hope about a future relationship. We fill our minds day after day after day with hope for the future, just trusting that, yes, you know, this thing will happen. And we get excited about it. And we allow our, our moods to be shaped by it and our feelings to be formed by it. But what happens? when those things don't happen? You know, what happens when when the future job prospects don't pan out the way that we thought they would? What happens when when the doctor gives us a phone call and, and lets us know that, you know, we're actually infertile? What happens when that guy or that girl that you've been waiting for never comes? What happens when the vaccine doesn't work? What? We're crushed, right? When that thing that we've been putting all of our hope in doesn't happen, we are just devastated, devastated. Now you might be thinking to yourself, okay, yeah, obviously it would suck to you know have our hopes dashed like that, but Come on, you know, just pick yourself up by your bootstraps, keep on keeping on. There's always some reason to be hopeful in life. You know, there's always another job or there's always another way to have a family. Just because life gets you down every once in a while, that doesn't mean that we need to somehow be hopeless. And this is partly true, but I think it's also a little bit simplistic. Sure, you know, you might be able to pick yourself up and, and, and find something to be hopeful again for a little while in your life but soon that hope is dashed too. And this, this is the problem with misplaced hopes. This is the problem when we put all of our eggs in one basket. This is the problem when we put all of our hope in something of this world. It fails you. And it fails you over and over and over again. Now, a perfect example of this is New Year's. Usually, you know, around November or December, uh, we start to hear things or see things on social media that go something like this. I cannot wait for 2020 to be over. You know, the previous year, it's just been so bad, so relentlessly getting us down. But we have hope that the next year, it's going to be better. You know, we're looking forward to that next year we're finally going to flourish, and we're finally going to thrive as human beings and find happiness in 2021. But we never do. And around November or December of that next year, you know, we start to hear the same thing. Ugh! I cannot wait for 2021 to be over. We said it in 2018, we said it in 2019, and we are going to be saying this until kingdom come, because our missed place hopes Fail us. When we put our hope in a new year, or a new job, or starting a family, or whatever it is, you know, thinking that this thing will satisfy the longing of my heart, they're bound to fail us. And every single time our hope fails us, we just get a little bit more anxious, a little bit more angsty about the world, a little bit more jaded. And we get absorbed into a vicious cycle where we hope in something it fails to fulfill, we get depressed. We hope in something it fails to fulfill, we get depressed. And on and on this cycle just goes continuously. We wander around, just aimlessly putting our hope in all sorts of things that never, ever satisfy us. So we're restless, always seeking more, always seeking something to satisfy our souls. James K.A. Smith, uh, a writer, he puts it like this. We're always on the move, restless, restless, Vaguely chasing something rather than oriented to a destination. So why do we do this? You know, why do we senselessly put our hope in things, expecting satisfaction that just never, ever comes? Well, because the issue isn't an issue of hope, but it's an issue of the heart. Which brings us to our second point today, our spiritual darkness. Turning to our text, we read in verse 2 the people who walked in darkness, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. Now, I just want to zero in for a, mo- a minute on, on that word darkness. In Scripture, darkness it is often used to describe somebody's spiritual state. So for example in Proverbs 4:19 we read the way of the wicked is like deep darkness they do not know over what they stumble or in Romans 1:21 it says for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened In other words, darkness is actually used metaphorically to describe someone who walks opposed to God's commands and who doesn't acknowledge God as God. It describes somebody who's far from God. And if you think about it, you know, this is actually quite a a fitting metaphor. You know, think about the last time that you were in a really dark room. You know, all the lights are off and you just can't see anything anything, and there's no way to know what's around you. What do you do? What do you do? Well, you literally just kind of grope around feeling for maybe a wall or some sort of ledge or kind of like cautiously put your foot out in front of you because you don't want to like stub your toe on something because you have no idea where you're going. And this is the imagery that the Bible uses to describe the spiritual state of the wicked. You know, they're groping around life, grabbing onto whatever they can try and steady themselves with, aimlessly kind of flitting about without any sense of direction because they're just stuck in the dark. So where do we stand in this picture? Well, the biblical answer to that question is in the dark. You know, the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, who actually used the image of darkness to describe wicked people's hearts, he later goes on to say, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, all of us, without distinction, walk in wickedness. We all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all in the dark. We all have darkened hearts. We all stand before God, just condemned as sinners, lost in the darkness. That's where we stand. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know, speak for yourself, Matt. Like, I'm not in the dark, I don't walk in wickedness, I'm not a bad person. But bear with me for a second here, okay? Just bear with me. Think about how much it hurts when someone lies to you or lies about you, you know, at your office, let's say. Or how much it hurts you when a, a friend or a family member betrays you and it just cuts you to the core. Or when someone steals from you, you know, steals your ideas or steals your property. These things, they hurt us. These things are deeply painful for us and we know that they're wrong when someone does them to us. But can you genuinely say that you have never done these things? Can you genuinely say that you've never lied or or cheated or or stolen? Can you say that you are guilt-free even by your own standards of what is good? No, you can't. Because we've all done these things. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We are all guilty before Him. We are all darkened and lost. And this is precisely why we put our hope in things that will never, ever satisfy us. Because we're in the dark and we're wandering about aimlessly groping, you know, at all sorts of different things in this world, thinking that they will fulfill us, they will satisfy our heart's desires. You know, we grope about, and maybe we grab onto career, and we tell ourselves, if I I just get this job or this promotion, then I'll be satisfied, you know, then I'll find real joy. Or we stumble around in the darkness of our lives, and we fall upon sex, maybe, and think finally you know i've found something that will satisfy me something that's going to bring peace and, and ecstasy into my life so we spend all of our time then seeking that sexual fulfillment we we blindly walk about you know till we stub our toe on money and we think this this is the thing that's going to bring me the happiness i'm looking for if i just make enough money i can buy everything my heart desires And on and on the list goes of things that we put our hope in, thinking that they will satisfy us. Thinking that they'll be the thing which brings peace and rest without ever realizing that it's not the world out there that's the issue. It's in here. It's us. You see, the problem is our spiritual condition. The problem is that we are people who walk in darkness and therefore we put our hope in in all the wrong things. So what is the solution for us? You know, what can be done for us? How do we get out of this darkness? Well, let's look at our last point tonight, our true light. Look at verse 2 of our text again. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. When you're in the dark, what do you need? You need light. You need something to actually shine into the dark and cast the darkness out. You need something to illuminate you and your surroundings so that you can begin to see the world clearly. And this is precisely the way that the New Testament speaks of Jesus Christ. Listen to Jesus' words in John 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, "'I am the light of the world. "'Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness.'" but we'll have the light of life. Jesus offers the solution to our spiritual condition. He is the light which illuminates our hearts and actually moves us from a place of darkness to light. Jesus is the one who shines his light on our life. He is the one who shows us that we are stumbling around in the dark, putting our hope in all of the wrong places, looking for satisfaction in all of the wrong things, and shifts our focus so that we put all our hope in him and his promises towards us. You see, hope isn't a bad thing. You know, we're meant to be people of hope. But when we put our hope in the wrong things, what was a good thing becomes an oppressive force that steals our joy. Our misplaced hopes were never meant to satisfy us. They were never ever meant to bring us real peace and real joy. Only the true light can satisfy our hearts. And in Advent, Advent, we celebrate that this light has come into the world and will come again. As John 1 verse 9 says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Every Advent season, we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Every Advent season, we celebrate the fact that, that His light has shone in the darkness of our lives. Every Advent season, we celebrate the fact that God has made himself known to us in his Son, Jesus Christ. We celebrate that God has made a way for us to be satisfied in him. We celebrate that God has made a way for us to be made whole in him. And this way is Jesus Christ. Blaise Pascal, who was a great Christian thinker and writer way back in the 17th century, wrote a little book called Pensées. And in that book, one of the things he looked at was was why it is that we as people want to be happy. Listen to what he wrote. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim? But that there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, God himself. You know, some people have even uh, played with what Pascal wrote here, saying that we have a God-sized vacuum in our heart. And this hole, you know, this longing, this desire for satisfaction can only be filled by the God-man, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know, you know, what your hope is in I don't know if you feel like you're kind of like aimlessly wandering about the darkness, putting your hope in all the wrong things. I I just don't know. But what I do know is that wherever you're at this morning, there is genuine and true hope for you in Jesus Christ. He is the one who can fill that God-sized hole He is the one who can bring true light to the darkness. He's the one who will satisfy your deepest longings. So trust in him. Believe in him. Because ultimately, our hope is only found in the true light, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you would just work this morning in us as we move into a time of communion. And Lord, allow us to celebrate uh, the fact that your son Jesus died for our sins. That his body and his blood uh, were were broken and shed for us. Father, may we put our trust and our hope in him and give up the vain uh, things that we're hoping in, the, the idols that we hold on in our hearts. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would just be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to move now into a time of taking communion together. Uh, for those of you who are gathered together in a house church, we would encourage you to collect the elements at this time, the bread, the wine, or the juice. Uh, so that you can then celebrate this meal together as a sign of Jesus' broken body and shed blood for you. When you take the bread, be reminded of Jesus' words, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as you take the wine or the juice, remember Jesus' words, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. When we participate in communion together, Jesus Christ is present with us through his Holy Spirit. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we'd ask that you not participate in communion this morning. This isn't to make you feel like an outsider or something like that, but it's just because this meal is actually a sign that we've given up our lives to follow Jesus. It's a sign that we believe that he is the true light of the world who takes away all darkness. If you'd like to be a part of this, you know, if you want to follow Jesus, then please connect with us or, or chat with your house church leaders. I'm sure that they would love to chat with you about what becoming a, a follower of Jesus looks like. Let's take communion together.